Um, well, we're going to get started again because we have a jam-packed schedule. Um, so we're going to talk about going back to school. Yeah. Um, so we have a great speaker today to talk about the Cogswell-Macy Act, something the American Council of the Blind has been dedicated to for many years now. We're going to continue to work on because it's so important. So I'd like to introduce our speaker, uh, Barbara Romando. She's the executive director from the Conference of Educational Administrators of Schools and Programs for the Deaf. That's a mouthful. Um, we're really excited to have Barbara with us. She's been a great ally on the Cogswell-Macy Act movement, um, someone I, I really enjoy working with and has just a wealth of knowledge as it pertains to the Cogswell-Macy Act. Um, so without further ado, Barbara, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Claire, for that introduction, and thank you all for being here to learn about this bill. This, uh, First of all, I'm going to start out by asking how many of you, maybe by calling out yes, if you have heard of this bill or know a little bit about it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll give my 15 minutes to the next person then. If I... Well, that's really great. That's a testament to the work that Claire and Clark have been doing and that others have been doing as well. And so that's, you're, you're off to a good start. So, well, if you are familiar with it, then you may know that the point of the bill is to amend the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act to better serve deaf, blind, and deafblind students. And we are doing that by leaving pretty much everything that's in place in the existing IDEA, but expanding on certain areas to really drill down where, to, to the places where our students really are left behind. So for example, one of the key points of the bill is to make sure that students who are blind or deaf or deafblind are appropriately counted. Now, I know a lot of students who are blind, you have a, a one, one count from the American Printing House, you see another count from the Department of Education, that you feel like your, your numbers are not accurately reflecting the correct number of students who are blind in IDEA. And we feel the same way in deaf education. So often what we see is if a child has another disability, that that child gets categorized in that disability category and the blindness or the deafness gets overlooked. Now that's a real problem when you start to think about, well, what kind of resources are we going to have for these students? Are we really going to have the correct amount of resources if we're counting them at a number that's, that doesn't really represent who they are? So the count is really important. So that's one of the key points of the bill. Another key point of the bill is for states to develop a state plan to serve deaf, blind, and deafblind students. So right now, states really do have that responsibility. Any state department of education, it's their job to serve blind kids and deaf kids and deafblind kids just the same as any other one. But we know for a fact that when we talk to people in the states, our students are not being served in the same way. We look at school districts who don't have orientation and mobility specialists, they don't have teachers of the deaf, they don't have interveners for deafblind students. They are really lacking in what they need to serve our populations. And they don't have a way of really communicating necessarily within that state. So we think it's really important that they sit down with all the stakeholders, with parents, with consumers, with deaf students and blind students, uh, general educators, different people who are involved in these educational programs and say, where are our resources? Where are our students? 
what do we need to do to make sure that every student gets what they need? So we really feel like that's a very reasonable ask for, from every state department of education. They're accountable for our kids, and we want them to be able to show how exactly they're going to carry out that responsibility. Another key point of the bill is on the special factors section. Now, your section on Braille is probably one of the strongest sections in IDEA. That is, students will receive Braille unless they have an evaluation and the IEP team agrees and all of that. So it's very strong language. But it's also important that students who are blind get the expanded core curriculum. So in our bill, we have sections for students who are deaf and blind and deafblind that expands on that, and, and particularly in the blind section, it talks about the expanded core curriculum and how that really needs to be part of any blind child's individualized education program. So really, as you can see from these three points that I just expanded on, the bill is really about drilling down to meet the individual needs of our students, which is exactly what IDEA is supposed to be doing right now. So in that sense, it's really only holding the states accountable for their existing responsibilities. So, because we do hear that when we go into offices, like, oh, how much is this going to cost? Like, how much more, you know, responsibility does, does this put on the state? And I always answer, well, you know, states are supposed to be doing this now. This gives them guidance and clarification on how to carry out those responsibilities. Something else that you might hear if you go into offices to talk about this is, well, you know, we're really nervous about opening IDEA right now. We're concerned that in this current political climate, we won't get a good outcome if we start opening up IDEA. The strategy behind this bill is to really wait for IDEA, the IDEA reauthorization. So. When we first started on this endeavor, it was like six years ago when we thought IDEA was just around the corner, and it really, over these years, it's just been put off and put off and put off. And to be honest, right now, nobody is predicting when IDEA is going to be open for reauthorization. So it were, it's sort of in, in a holding pattern. But this bill really includes the priorities in education for deaf, blind, and deafblind students. So we don't feel shy at all about going up and telling members of Congress, yeah, you know, well, we can wait for the IDEA reauthorization, but for now, we want you to know about these priorities for our students. And I know that some of the, uh, there are, have been some actions taken based on the bill, even though the bill hasn't passed, for example. Senator Casey sent a letter to Secretary DeVos in 2018 talking about the lack of qualified providers for students who are deaf, blind, or deaf blind. So members of Congress can take action by having, you know, sending letters or, or trying to advise the Department of Education. People in various states are taking language out of the bill and trying to pass state-level legislation. So if you look at this bill as sort of like um, an encapsulization of the priorities for these education areas, it's a really good tool for bringing a message to Capitol Hill and to a lot of other places about the priorities in education. So that's really the strategy, that, that we're going to have it up there. We're going to try to get as many co-sponsors as we can. Uh, in the last Congress, we were up to about 48 co-sponsors. It's in the House and in the Senate, so that's really great because when we first started out, it was just in the House. 
and um, you will have, you know, I think a lot of um, interesting responses to it. Uh, some of the other groups that are working on this around this time, uh, my organization is having our advocacy day on Wednesday, so this is like perfect timing that you all will be up there being very visible, making your points and, and, and making noise about this. We'll be up two days later. The Council of Schools for the Blind is going to be up on March 25th, and they'll also be advocating on this issue. So this, this bill is really one that unites us in sensory disabilities, and we, we, just, we know that we have to work closely together because our kids, we know that they can really succeed when they have access and when they have the right teachers, the right resources, and the right tools. And that is exactly what this bill is about. So when you talk to your member of Congress, I hope what you'll say is, you know, will you co-sponsor this bill? This is really, really important for students who are deaf and blind and deafblind. Thank you so much, Barbara. Um, we have a couple, yeah, thank you. Uh, we have a couple minutes left, so if we have any questions, and I'm gonna start with a question of my own. So it was reintroduced in the 116th Congress this past fall. Can you tell our members what number the bill is so we can uh, talk about it tomorrow on the Hill? Sure, so in the House, it's HR 4822. So that's HR 4822. And in the Senate, it's S2681. Great, thank you. We can probably take two questions. If anybody has questions. Yes, my, um, this is Alice Richard. And my question is, uh, with the accountability as far as finally getting some accurate figures, will that then also include, because what we've, we're finding in Georgia's, it, there definitely is no count. And part of the problem with that is because if they have other disabilities, then they tend not to include the blindness into that. So will that solve that problem so that we'll get a more accurate count? That is, that's a very good question. That is the intention, that they will be counted as blind and whatever the other category is. Because we, we don't want to undercount another disability, that's for sure. But when they're... The, the school doesn't have to pick just one or the other. We want to make sure that the, we have an accurate count of everything that's going on with that child. So that is the intention, that they will be counted wherever, wherever that disability occurs. This is Karen Campbell. Um, I just want to say that we need, the, we need this bill because there are some states that have taken action at the... Uh, <laughs> state level, Illinois is one of those on the intervener issue. We did it through rules in the school code. But other parts of the country need this, um, need this as well. So we need to do something on the federal level. Um, so I hope that we can get some traction on this bill. Thank you. Right, so for the intervener piece, right now interveners are not mentioned in IDEA at all. And what the bill would say is that they would be listed as a related service provider. And now, you know, like the Department of Education will say, well, you know, states can provide them. I mean, the list of related services in the law is not exclusive. It doesn't mean, well, if you're not on this list, you can't be provided. But we know what happens when it's there in black and white in the law. We have a much better advocacy tool when our children need a service. The bill numbers are HR 4822 and S2681. And the primary sponsors in the House are Matt Cartwright from Pennsylvania, 
and David McKinley from West Virginia. And in the House, I'm sorry, in the Senate are Ed Markey out of Massachusetts and Senator Capito out of West Virginia. Great. Thank you so much, Barbara. We really appreciate it. Thank you for coming and talking about the bill. Thanks, everybody. Good luck on your Hill Day.